Welcome to York Hospital Ball. This week's guest is Andy McMillan, a club legend with 492 appearances, which is second only to Barry Jackson in the club's all-time records. Andy speaks openly and honestly about his long association with the football club, including the tragic loss of David Longhurst and the highs of Wembley 93 and the famous victories over Man United and Everton. This episode is proudly sponsored by Pocklington Window Centre, a company who has served East Yorkshire for over 25 years. Their owners, Sandy and John, are huge York City fans and loved watching Andy in his heyday. They pride themselves on providing great quality, A-grade standard windows and the best window locks on the market to ensure your home is secure. Why not give them a call on 01759 304442 or visit their website pocklingtonwindowcentre.co.uk Hospital Ball is a spin-off from York Hospital Radio. The views of our guests are their own and not necessarily the views of the radio station. But without further ado, here is episode one, Andy McMillan. Thanks, Andy, for joining us. And thanks for the, the chance for me to relive my childhood. I've been watching sort of YouTube clips of Man United, Wembley games, that, and reading up on Dave Batt's history. And I couldn't believe it's 20 years since you've stopped playing for York City. Oh, I mean, that, that for me, made me feel really old. Actually, it doesn't feel like 20 years because obviously I, I'm still living in the city. I still see supporters. I still see supporters like yourself who who uh, used to come and watch. So I still people still stop me in the street and ask me questions. So it doesn't feel like 20 years at all. It's only when people say, you finished in 99, 2000. I'm like, wow middle lad is 19 and he was born just as I moved up to Scotland so it's quite scary to think he was 19 20 years ago I actually gave up playing football I thoroughly enjoyed my time there I think all supporters are aware that you've got sort of South African heritage what was it like growing up liking football and how did you get into football well through my father who was a player over here he was at Barnsley and Hull as a kid damaged his knee but I had an opportunity to go to South Africa in 1967 68 it was only supposed to be for two years. Him and my mum were married, went over. Me and my brother were born. 18 years later, we were still there. I was always interested in football. I got an opportunity at 16 to come over. I went to Spurs for six weeks. Went back to South Africa to do my O-levels at the time. Finished them, came back after that. Went to Hull for two years, year and a half. Got offered another non-contract. I was like, at some point, you have to pay me because I was literally playing for free. So I got an opportunity to go to Preston. And as I was Going down there, once I got to the digs, got a phone call from Ricky Sabrezia, who was at York City yeah. at the time, and said, do you fancy coming here? I thought, well, it's only down the road from Hull. So I went to York in 1987 and signed my first pro deal in October. Obviously, because you've grown up in South Africa, you've not been part of like an academy system or YTS scheme in the no. UK. What was that like? Did you have to then write to clubs to ask for trials? Because I presume there was no agents in the, in the late Yeah, no, nothing like that. There was no emails, there was no mobile no. phones. So it was a case of writing off to numerous clubs and just seeing what sort of response I got. And luckily enough, say Spurs, Preston and Hull, were the three that allowed me to, but it was quite convenient, the fact that my grandparents were still in Beverly. So I flew over on my own, never seen snow. I realised how cold it can get, because I, I grew up with a pair of shorts, flip-flops and a T-shirt. So coming over here was a massive cultural difference to me, when, and the accent. I didn't think I had a strong one, but people said you did, and then I must have lost it over the years, because some people can't even tell. Got an opportunity and grabbed it. 
and just literally stayed over here. I went back last year with my middle lad, and that's the first time in well, since 1985. When you sat, signed for York City, that, that first season, it was quite a poor season on the pitch, wasn't it? So was that mixed emotions for you? Because you sort of broke through quite quite quickly, really. I think you made your debut around December time, was it? And then, yeah, Boxing Day, yeah. Yeah, and then sort of almost became a mainstay in that team, but under Bobby Saxon, it wasn't going well. And So was it a bit of a, by the end of that season, a bit of a mixed bag, really? Because you, you've achieved what you wanted to achieve, a proper contract. Contract, But, but yeah. maybe in York City's worst ever seasons, I guess. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I didn't even know where York City was. I didn't even know what league York City we were in. I didn't even know anything about the town, the club. It was just a case of, here's an opportunity to go. And obviously, once I came, fell in love with the place. I think the fact that the club were having a poor season allowed me a little bit more time on trial. Played in numerous reserve games, practice matches, and it was Christmas Day. I think I got a phone call to say you're in the squad for Boxing Day's game. It's like, wow, got an opportunity to go. I didn't think I'd get on. I was named among the subs. Halftime came. Right, you're on. And that was it. Probably only a couple of subs, wasn't it? You, yeah, I think there was end. three, if right. I remember correct. And it was, yeah, yeah, you're on. And 14 years later, I, I managed to play a number of games throughout the spell. If you'd have known two weeks before you're going to make your debut in this game, that might have been a little bit different for you. I think the fact that I was still quite young and I was just hungry to play, I just, I didn't, I just embraced the whole atmosphere of being able to play in front of all these people. And it was, to me, it was just magical. I'd played in South Africa before in front of 50, 60,000, but it was only right. as, a, as a kid. You know, we were we'd had entertainment games before the first team, so I was used to that environment. But to actually play in the first team, to me, it was just a buzz. I couldn't wait. Just being able to play professionally for me was just a dream to come true. From the age of three or four, is what I wanted to do. So, that, so that dream comes true, and then the following season it almost becomes a bit of a nightmare then because you you spend the vast majority of that that season yeah. out injured. So, uh, how bad did it get? I played about twenty two, twenty three games, and then I. I think there was a reserve game and I don't know why I got asked if I'd play in a reserve game away at Notts County. Played at Meadow Lane. I went to pass the ball inside, left my ankle wide open and got smashed on the ankle. My knee stayed where it was and my ankle went up. So I ripped all my ligaments in my knee. And was it, was that the first real bad injury that you'd, that ever you'd had? Ever had, yeah. Ever, ever had. You know, never had anything before. And that. And nowadays, I mean, I know they have the ops for what I had and they're back playing in three months. I was in a pot for nine, ten months. I was sat at home for ten months on my own. And what, what were you thinking then? Because you're obviously still a very young lad at that time. You've obviously not been in the country that long no. either, really, in, in the grand scheme of things. And are you thinking my career could be over here before it's even really properly begun? 100%. I was sat, I didn't know anyone. I was sat in uh, Cottingham in Hull. Even the lads in York didn't know where I lived. Uh, there was no phone to no one could text you or ring you, you know what I mean, to see how you're getting on. Change your management in that time as well, yeah. isn't it? Cause yeah, John, yeah, yeah. John Bird, John Bird came in. Luckily, John had watched me a few times. So when he came in, he knew who I was. He had a meeting. He said, "Listen, don't don't stress. Get your knee right." So I had the pot off. I still had screws in my knee. I had to then do rehab on it. Then go back in for an operation to take the screws out, which put me back again because obviously time to rehab. And then I managed. I think it was just over a year of re- a rehab to get back playing again. Jeff Miller, you know, Jeff Jeff was physio. He put me through my paces, got me fit and strong again. And I'll be ever thankful for Jeff for doing that. But did it make you more sort of value it almost? When you did come back from that injury and you were playing football, like- yeah, I was still in a lot of pain. I didn't tell anyone. Everything hadn't moved for nearly nine months. I was still getting 
serious twinges in my knee as though it was being pulled like a rubber band but there was no way I was going to get back on their treatment table and after time and training it just I think the ligaments must have got stronger So moving on to the season after obviously you're back in the first team you scored your first goal but that season's obviously massively overshadowed by the death of David Longhurst and, yeah. and you were fairly close with him were you? Very close very close I, I seemed to be one of those when the new player came they would always end up next to me in the dressing room I'd talk to them he came and stayed at my house because I lived on Newbury Street literally my back window went onto the ground became a really close friend awful awful day when he when he passed away on the pitch probably the worst day I've ever had in football so so it was down the towards the pop stand I mean he was having the game of his life it was incredible he was flying it was and I was obviously more dug outside and he he'd made this run next it got tackled and he went down so the ball came into our side of the pitch it was we started defending no problem at all next minute the whistle went I remember looking over and seeing him on the floor and you know when you can tell someone's body language and Jeff's, right. and I was looking at Jeff, as long as he was, we were all, you know, when you're a team, you're all quite close together, you're mm. always looking out for each other. And I just looked at Jeff's body language and I could tell there was something wrong. There was no radio mics then, it was, no. and he turned, he was on his knee and he was waving his arms to the paramedics. And it still gives me goosebumps now yeah. thinking about it. He was waving his arms to get on here quick. And we were told he'd actually died on the pitch a couple of days after. But when we went back in the dressing room, John Bird was stood there I mean he was a hard man he didn't mess with John and he uh, broke down in tears it was, it was awful it was eerie it was quiet his girlfriend was upstairs in the uh, main stand with my girlfriend she was screaming down the corridor because they wouldn't let her into the physio's room she was in a bad way understandably that sort of you know what you've just described there must must kind of almost haunt you and other people to this day as well like being so close to him and yeah obviously this weekend was the 29th mm. anniversary wasn't it this is what disappoints me about a football club like york city you know he's 29 years and not one ex-player who was on that pitch gets invited to the last probably ever time they're going to play on that pitch in front mm. of Longish Stand, the fans raise money to, to build and erect. And no one from the football clubs invites the players who were there that day to be part of the memorial. And it disgusts me, really. It's it's poor. John McCarthy was obviously there. John was by there. default, yeah. wasn't he? Because yeah. he was there as assistant I text manager. John. I text John. Oh, I says, you know, the game today. He said, yeah, I'm on the A64 now. I'm, I'm nearly there. I says, mate, it's a terrible day today. And he went, I know. He said, I can't believe it's 29 years. He says, are you coming down? I says, I can't. Not a relationship I have with that place anymore. Don't feel well. Yeah. Didn't feel right. I would have liked to have just walked in and just been able to stand near where he, where it happened. Yeah. I know exactly where it pointed because I looked at it. Every time I played and I ran onto that pitch, I stood where he died and just looked down. He was a good friend of mine. He was a lovely lad. He used to eat cornflakes out the box. I used to say, Longy, just get a bowl and some milk. I said, no, I don't want to cause any washing up. And, and, and the thing is as well about the David Longhurst stand, I mean, for someone like me who started supporting the club in 92, that's always been there and his yeah. name's always been there and that, yeah. that becomes a kind of talking point between you and whoever takes you to the first game or yeah. why is it called the David, David Longhurst stand? So I really hope that there is some sort of tribute to him at the at the new stadium. I want to remember him. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah no, and you've got, you got Keith Warwin. I mean, another one, you know, I mean, I know he didn't pass away on the pitch, but died early. There's a lot of history there. I know Longy didn't play a lot of games, but and you'll see all over, all over Twitter when there's something comes up about Longy. You know, people are retweeting it, saying what a great yeah. lad he is, and, and from his other clubs as well. Yeah, he's and he's from fun. Northampton. Everything. Yeah. You know, we went down to Corby where he's buried. It was the eeriest bus journey I'd ever been on. No one said a word for three hours. Going to move it on yeah. slightly to yeah, a bit um, more cheerful. It's a bit more <laughs> cheerful times. Yes. Yeah. So I think two years later, what surprised me is that the club are not really kicking on. 
on the pitch. But I look at some of the players that are around that time, so yourself, uh, Dean Kiley, John McCarthy, Nigel Pepin, uh, Ray Warburton, Tony Cannon. When did it all start to click? Was it was it John Ward coming in? Was it Paul Barnes coming in? Yeah, it was. It was more effective that football's a game, game of luck. Even it's the luck of putting a team together. It's the luck of having the right characters in the building. The luck of appointing the right manager at the right time. John Ward was a catalyst for that. John Ward was a breath of fresh air. His methods, his way of handling people, his man management skills, his idea of how the game should be played. You know, and he always said to us, you will make mistakes on that pitch. But if you continuously make these mistakes, you're not going to be playing. You know, and it was never shouting and bawling. He got a group of players together who believed in a way of playing. You got Paul Barnes in who drove us on even further because we weren't conceding goals, but we, we just couldn't score goals. Barney comes in and he'd score from anywhere. You know, he'd claim any goal. But he was just a goal getter who wanted to score goals. And but he's not going to track full backs. He, he never did anything like that. But you get the ball up front and you give him a chance, he'll put it away. And did you know that from like the first training session with him? Did you think, oh, he's a bit No, I thought he's a laser bugger because we went running the first day. <laughs> And I thought, you know, there was always three or four of us at the front. You know, me, Sean Reed, Steve Tutt, we were always at the front, driving the rest on. I remember starting and he went, how fast have we got to go today? I said, well, we leave from the front. And he went, that's not, I don't. And he, he must have finished 20 minutes behind us. But put him on the pitch, put him in front of goal, he'll score. Our first impression was, oh, he's not very fit. But he was. Uh, yeah. He was strong. And one thing that supporters remember fondly is obviously that link-up play between yourself and John McCarthy yeah. on, the r- on the right-hand side. Just very good mates again. Very good mates. Spent a lot of time together, an awful lot of time together. It was so funny. I used to give it to him, make the run round, and he always used to drive inside. I'd turn round and I had to sprint back, and I said, choice words. And he'd just say, get yourself back. So I'd have to run past him again just to get back into place. But he was a game changer. The game would get, you know, when he played at Wembley, he was, he yeah, was, was unplayable. Yeah. He was unplayable that day. And that's what obviously got his moves away. But he was good to work with. You know, he was, he's a nice kid. He had no airs and graces about him. And yeah, we just clicked. We just clicked. What was the team spirit like as well in the, in the camp? Team spirit's always up there when you're winning games. You know, team spirit just happens when, you know, it's always good team spirit when you're winning games. We were just winning, winning, winning. But it was, if it was a night out, it would be everyone would be there. You know, when you're struggling, there's always a handful who don't want to be seen. Clicks and clicks and things like that seem to happen. But when you're doing well, the team bonding's there. Everyone wants to be together. People are turning up early for training, leaving later than normal. You know, they're outside playing head tennis or two touch. What was it like in the team when you found out John Ward was leaving? Because obviously that was a big shock at the time, wasn't it? To sort of go horrendous, horrendous. Yeah, he didn't want to go. He, he did not want to go and I still see him I've done LMA football courses and John's been on him he's talked on him he said York wouldn't give him the contract he'd required Bristol Rovers they paid a lot, a lot of money, money for him uh, they guaranteed him a three year contract they gave him decent wage so and he wanted to match that he wouldn't, wouldn't matched have matched it even probably not even matched it probably just given him his three years I believe he would have stayed but he was the catalyst for the, the few next few years that went on the players that were in there and John Alan Little you know, brought it on. You know, he brought some more good players in. Adrian Randall was a good player. It just never really happened for him, but you could see it in training. And when we used to play against him at Burnley, he was unplayable. John Ward was the start of it. He gave you that confidence, that belief. You know, he used to have a laugh at me and said, you know, I was playing the game in slippers instead of, you know, but he was, he was a tremendous bloke. That atmosphere at home to Bury in the yeah. playoffs so where does that rank for you incredible you know incredible night the away leg and then the the, the home leg was just was rammed it was a really nice night the, the pitch was night. nice and crisp 
we just drove on, you know, I mean, we had that belief we were going to win the game. There was no way we were going to lose that game. Everything was in our favour, the fans, the atmosphere, the belief in the team. It was like, there's a driven goal here to get to Wembley. It doesn't happen to many League Two players, League One players, and we had that opportunity. So so what was it like, Wembley? What was your memories of that, that time, that game? My memories are always of Tony Cannon and Nigel Pepper walking around with a video camera and just filming everything. And for the life of us, no one seems to have this footage. <laughs> I, I so wish I had it. They were videoing people on the bus. They were interviewing people on the bus. Them two were the jokers in the back. If you saw Pep walk in, TC would be behind him. You see all TC, Pep would walk in behind him. And you couldn't say anything to him because they'd just batter you. They were life and soul of the of the team. And they went into the hotel rooms and interviewed players and just asked stupid questions and get into the dressing rooms, get in chair. Everyone went, went out. You know, you used to get warmed up in about quarter past, 20 past. Everyone was outside an hour and a half before kicking balls on the pitch you know? <laughs> soaking so, it all up yeah soaking the atmosphere up yeah and then, then the game itself get a 1-0 up and then it's very late on isn't it but we, we can see the penalty what were you thinking at that moment I'm allowed to say what I actually thought <laughs> <laughs> Phil's sorry for I mean I, I, to this day I don't think he knows why his hand came up and punched it but I think it added to the whole day you know at the end of that I've been devastated to, to have lost it but I thought we were the better team on oh, the pitch absolutely, yeah. we had more chances we we were all over them and then when they scored in that time and you, the penalty I, I didn't watch the penalty so it's, no I couldn't I couldn't watch oh, was there any chance of you taking a penalty I was due like... to take the next one I was due <laughs> to and I was it's forever in Jenner's debt that I didn't have to take another penalty because I don't know what I would have done with it. Good. The team practice a lot of penalties in the, in the build-up, you know. Nah. No? I find it difficult how you re- recreate that pressure. And also you're tired as well after yeah. going 120 minutes. It's, it's, again, it goes back, I said it earlier, it's about luck. Keep your guesses the right way, he gets a hand to it, he doesn't get a hand to it, you know. He stretches out a leg, he gets a touch on it. It's But it was our day. I thought it was our season. We just had a, a driven desire to be into the next league. And and then the year after, I mean, that's probably the best team I've, I've yeah. ever seen. Randall was added as well, yeah. and Steve Cooper as well. I remember yeah. it was a hell of a leap, didn't he? Yeah, Cooper. And another tragic loss. But that team, you know, went really close again, didn't they? Yeah. With the, with the Stockport. Well, um, we we, sh- we, we should have beaten the Stockport five at home. I know the next day, looking in the papers, their keeper got a ten out of ten. You know, he was immense that day. Their keeper to lose in the last three or four minutes, Beaumont scored, and it was that was a better team than the Wembley team, in my opinion. Yeah, in terms of a squad. If we'd had got the goals at home... Was there a bit of momentum shift there because you'd got promoted that you thought, oh, you know, we can do this again. We've kept, yeah. kept yeah, the players. Yeah, just kept going. You know, it was the, the nucleus of the team was still the same. There was added quality to it in Coops, you know, Randall and Steve Cooper. Because there was no problem with like, like so yourself and John McCarthy and Pomp Band stepping up that level. It no. was just sort of almost no, like a continuation, wasn't it? Of, we didn't think we would have any issues stepping up, you know, and it'd been nice to even step up again with that fair, team. Yeah, How far we would have got. So then it obviously brings me on 95, Man United. Yeah. And we've got to talk at length about that game. Probably yeah. the best night of my life. I said that to my wife recently. She wasn't very happy. That <laughs> obviously, the club were doing terrible yeah. in the league at that Awful. time. I think we only won away on that Saturday before the Man United game. What was it like travelling down? What what was your thoughts going on? Was it just we're going to enjoy the night? We'd had a lot of injuries as well. There'd been a lot of key players missing up to the lead up to that game. I mean, it was September time, wasn't it? So... We hadn't started particularly well, but there were some good young players coming through. Darren Williams, Graham, uh, you know, Nicky Peverell was complaining, and, and there's still experienced head out there. I'd only been there for five, six years. Old Trafford was just a fantastic night. For the, I think for the supporters more than anything. I think everyone went there with this, well, I have no idea what the score's going to be, but we're obviously going to get hammered. We only had a pre-match, but we didn't stay over anywhere. We drove down that day. We had beans on toast. We sat in the foyer of the hotel because we, weren't, we hadn't paid for anything else. Just in groups thinking, keep it down to 11. <laughs> 
And did you find out who was in their side? Because obviously the likes of like David Beckham and Phil Neville who played weren't, weren't really well known at no, the time, but obviously no. Ryan Giggs was, Brian McClare. Yeah, Lee Sharp yeah, played. Um, yeah, It just soaked up the atmosphere. You know, I'm a Man United fan anyway, so it, for me just to go to Old Trafford, going inside it from a different point of view than being stood in the stands, getting on the pitch, soaking up the atmosphere, looking up and your, you know, your wife's there, your, your in-laws are there, your, your parents are there looking up and seeing the York fans. And then when it was 3-0 and attacking, that ended, and I'm looking at Man United 0, York City 3. I still see it in my head now. I think I saw more of that scoreboard than in the last <laughs> 10 minutes, to be fair. I mean, obviously, that, that game is just, just unbelievable watching it back. But obviously, it was your pass over the top to Paul Barnes, wasn't it, that won the penalty? We didn't work on it. We all knew what Barney wanted. Yeah, he'd come short, but he's not going to score goals coming short. And so was that instinctive from you? Then, yeah, just we just, kind of just yeah, just get over the top, the top of him. Yeah. yeah, and we caused problems with, with teams when you have got someone like that, and he took it really well. And then obviously the penalty. I don't know, sure if it was in the box or out of the box. <laughs> just just to go to Old Trafford and and, and play there and get a bit of a bit of reward for the fans in terms of their loyalty. And you know we hadn't started the season that well, but they still followed us in in the thousands in yeah. the droves. Yeah. And I, I noticed as well watching it back, you actually spoke to Pat McGibbon after he'd been sent off. Can you remember? Can you remember that? Do you remember what you said to him? Or I think it was something like head up or something. I don't, you know, it was a young kid. who yeah. made, He was making his debut. It must have been awful for him. I didn't know if it was going to get your shirt afterwards. Or... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm a Man United fan. No. Actually, Kevin Pilkin who played in goal I worked with him at Notts County for a couple of years so that was an interesting conversation <laughs> did he remember that he you was, yeah, that yeah he remembered yeah. it he was, he was fine he said you guys were the better team on the day which we were so, so then going to the second leg and then they score like two very early doors aren't they? are you just yeah. thinking wow we've annoyed them a bit yeah. <laughs> we realised we'd upset them I mean we'd heard after the old traffic game that Ferguson had given these traditional hairdryer treatment to them we didn't see them for at least an hour after the game in the bar we thought the second leg they're going to bring a different team. And obviously Cantona had played the yeah. previous week away at Liverpool, so we knew he was going to play. It was like, wow, OK, let's just defend as a team, give it our best shot. And luckily enough, Scott Jordan scored. And, yeah, they could have scored at the end as well. The death, I think it was Scholes coming at the back post and he missed it by an inch. And that would have just taken them through to the next leg. Again, another fantastic atmosphere to save yeah. at Boone yeah. Crescent, wasn't it? Yeah. And did you get any shirts from that time? And did, did you get to swap any shirts? No. it would get a souvenir or anything? No, I think I was still celebrating on the pitch right. by the time they'd left on the bus. I've got a picture at home of me and I'm looking up at Cantona like this. <laughs> and that's, that's a nice frame photo. It'd be nice to have it signed, but, yeah, that's... Probably the only thing I've actually got from the game. Right. We weren't allowed to keep the shirts because it would have cost us money. Right. You, know? <laughs> you had to give the shirt back. And then back at, in the wash. at this point, York are becoming a bit of a cup team, aren't Because Everton, yeah. obviously, the year, year after that. Year after. Again, what what would you what was your memories of, of that time as well? Goodison Park, you know, great place to go and play again. Thought we played really well again that day. Neil Tolson, proper handful. Yeah, Gary uh, Ball was playing well Gary around Ball, that time as yeah, well. Yeah, he was another really nice lad. And then getting him to the home leg, we were unplayable as a team that night. We'd have given most teams a, a good game that night. I'd actually done my neck the night before. I couldn't move, but there was no way I was missing the game. <laughs> At the time, there was no chiropractors around Axby or York or anywhere. So I was like, do I tell the physio? Do I tell the manager? I, I was I was stuck tension in my neck couldn't move I just thought right don't say anything just go on the pitch and then I lined up and I saw Anders Limpa was against me I was like oh no here we go 
know, I'd be chasing him around the pitch and, and it just seemed to disappear. Maybe just the whole... Maybe chasing him as well, yeah, maybe the atmosphere. I'd have been devastated to miss the game. I, I mean, they were FA Cup winners at the time as well, yeah. I think, weren't they? And, and also, they had a really strong team out <laughs> yeah. as well. So, yeah. And like you say, when you watch it back, it wasn't a lucky no. victory by any stretch. I think it's the third goal was Graham Murtis when everyone's that sliding across. I think it was Paul Stevo's played this fantastic cross. Graham's got there to make it 3-1. Was it 3-1, I think? Amazing. Yeah, Gary Speed. Yeah. Tragic loss, but yeah. I think he got a consolation in the almost in yeah. injury time. Injury but, time, yeah. But the, again, the atmosphere. I don't was... think they caused us any problem. I know, right? I remember Paul Radout being you know, winning a few headers, but if I look back, seem to think of them having yeah. any clear cut chances. I don't remember at the time the away one being mm. like that either. I remember Kanchelskis playing yeah. really well and being difficult to handle. Came away from that game thinking, oh, York have deserved a draw, yeah. you know, from, from that game. Yeah. So then at this time, the team's getting broken up quite a bit yeah. from that John Ward and Alan Little early era. Vaguely remember some rumours of sort of other clubs sniffing around. I went to Chef Wednesday, I went on trial. They'd watched numerous games and Alan pulled me after, a, I think it was Walsall away. He says, you're going to Wednesday. What do you mean it goes Wednesday? This is Wednesday when I have a look at you. So I went to the training ground, trained Chris Waddle, all them playing. I'm training with these lads. I just played against Walsall on the Tuesday night. I was here now training with Chris Waddle, all Des Walker. I was just gobsmacked. So I then played a reserve game at Goodison Park. The foggiest night ever. David Pleat said, right, we're going to bring the chairman and you're in. Right. I was like, right, okay, fantastic. And then I got a phone call the following day and I got told that Douglas Craig had upped the price and David Pleat didn't want to pay it. I think he'd upped it another 50 grand, so I didn't end up going. I always look back and I think, how different my career would have been. Fantastic opportunity, but how many games would I have played? Would I have just been another number in a, in a team? But where I was in York, I played every game. If I was injured, I was back in straight away. Well established well, and I, family were here and you fans. chant as well? Obviously. Yeah, I had been on chant, yeah. I don't think I'd have got that actually every Wednesday. <laughs> Might have been a different chant, but came back, I had Wolves. I got told afterwards by Dave Jones. I met Dave Jones and he asked me why I didn't come. I was like, no idea what you're talking about. He says, you were due to come speak to me. We got told you turned us down. So Wolves, another massive club. Uh, Aberdeen. Aberdeen I heard about only through Dean Windus because he rang me. He says, are you coming? Did you know him through Hull? Oh, I was at Hull. He was a a YT when I was at Hull. Uh, And then he says, you come in. I said, well, I've not been given permission to come up. And it went fairly quiet. I think, again, I was probably outpriced. And then when you, when you look at like Sir John McCarthy went and played a lot higher level yeah. than Paul Barnes did, did you feel you obviously earned that opportunity? I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love to have tested myself. It'd be nice to have been informed, but that was Douglas Craig all over for you, I suppose. <laughs> very, very difficult man to get on with. You know, when you were on his side, he was great. But when, you know, if he didn't agree with anything with you, you well, I wasn't going. I was going to you know kind I mean? of come on to that because obviously, you know, a couple of years later, the, the season that York City went down, Alan Little leaves, Neil Thompson comes in. Mm. And I think you played in his first game mm. in charge and then never again. It was towards the end of the season. I actually, again, did the bursa in my knee. Popped my bursa probably five times that season. And it went on that game. And my knee was the size of a football. It had to be drained. And then I came back for pre-season. And Tomo was in my car school. Tomo got injured. I drove him. He lived in Bruff at the time. Picked him up one o'clock in the morning after he had an operation. Drove him to Bruff. He talked to me about players in the car. And next minute he got the job. And then he told me I was out. And he was asking me about players and saying, what would you do and all this. That was a fallout I had, a fortunate fallout. And then Douglas Craig took his side and basically forced me out. It's just a real shame. Is it, is it difficult to, to not be bitter around that time? You know, because you've given so much to the club, like you say, even like the opportunities. Yeah. You know, he kicked up a fuss because yeah. you didn't get a move. You've... I was very, very bitter. You know, there were articles in the, in the paper where I maybe said things I shouldn't, but I was very angry because, like you said, I had an opportunity to go to Sheffield Wednesday, I had an opportunity to go to the Wolves, I had an opportunity to go to the Aberdeen. Very mm. loyal. I got contracts put in front of me. 
three, four years at a time, signed him without even negotiating, just because I wanted to be there. It comes to the end and Douglas Craig says, well, I'm going with his decision. I'm like, well, wow, you know, what happened to loyalty? Uh, well, he's manager and that type of thing. I said, well, I'm telling you, you're making a mistake. He's not going to last five minutes. He's going to lose the dressing room. I was proved right. I should have stayed. I didn't particularly want to go to Scotland. Stevie Cooper was there. Okay. Uh, so Stevie, yeah, yeah. He said, just come up and have a look. And I knew I should have stayed because I was in the stands at, at York and they were screaming for Tomo to be sacked and for me to be playing. And I found it hilarious. And if I had just waited another week, I probably would have just got back in the team because he was gone. Air was all right. My missus loved it. She loved Scotland. And don't get me wrong, there was nothing wrong with going. It's no. just... I never finished it at York, and I, yeah. I believe I could have gone past Barry's highest appearance, but I got totally disheartened with the game because I'm a very loyal person in terms of, you know, if you're my mate, you're my, I'll back you to the hilt until you do something wrong to me. And when that happened, it was it really made me bitter. Well, but hey, you had a, a bit of a cup run as well, didn't you? Yeah, we got a yeah. Scottish Cup semi-final. I came against Kanchelskis again. We played really well first half, really well first half. This is at Hamden Park. Hamden Park, yeah. yeah. Neil Tarnett, I think he was on loan from Villa. Big, strong young lad. and He caused them all sorts of problems first half. They had the Dutch manager at the time, Big Advocate, yeah. apparently then roasted into them again on uh, half-time and they came out a different team. Billy Dodds was difficult, Kanchelskis, some really good players on the pitch. And have you ever seen Kanchelskis when he stands on the ball and... Right. They were good. They were really good. Playing at, just playing the Hamden, so it was great. I just wanted to come back to York. I think you know at the time. Was there ever a chance of that? Because I I do remember when when Terry Dolan took over. I went to a fans forum and some guy had had a a cap and he had an Andy McMillan photograph staple gun to it, and he kept asking Terry Dolan, "But Mr. Dolan, will you reset?" You know, and he, he was. I think it was my agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was desperate to go back. I really wanted to. It's probably the only place I would have gone to carry on playing because I really wanted to get through that number one record, parents yeah. record. Because there were games that I could have played in, but I didn't. Put, and Alan was like, well, we've got a tough, really tough games coming up. Are you sure you're going to be all right? Like, right? If I sit this one out, you know, and then the birth of my first son, I missed the Oxford game. I spent a year in pot. There's it's virtually 46 games if I'd played mm. every game. You know, there's taking me past it anyway. It's football, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's football. Yeah, yeah. You've gone into coaching as well, yeah. and, and quite a few clubs actually. You're not, you mentioned not Scout, I didn't realise that, but Barnet as well. And I started back in 2003 at York. Got a phone call to ask, will I ask uh, help out um, the, the youth team coach at the time? Ask, will he just help out the young lads? Of course, will, yeah. So I started doing all my badges. Got my A license within three, four years. Got a phone call from Hull. Uh, what's happening at York? Well, nothing yet. I'm still part time. Do you want to come here? I knew Billy Russell really well, Neil Mann really well. I said, yeah. It's only 45 minutes down the road. Spent two years there. Got a phone call from Lincoln. I was on my A-licence refresher with Chris Sutton. He said, you fancy coming to Lincoln to be our head of coaching? Which basically meant the under-18s coach. I was like, yeah. Spent two years there. Spent a year and a bit at Barnet with Edgar Davids, uh, Mark Robson, Kenny Brown. Some really good coaches. Good to learn. I mean, Edgar was unusual, but good player. Don't get me wrong, he was playing centre half, you know. He was five foot five, and he was playing centre half, and he was so he had a cigar. And then Notts County for a year and a bit, and then got a phone call from Cresy to say, "Do you want to come and be academy manager at York?" And I guess that's a perfect role for you, really, isn't it? You wanted to do coaching, yeah. done all the academy license stuff. Worked very closely with Mick Leonard at Notts County. It was unbelievable academy manager. Learned a lot from him in a year. Took everything he taught me up to York, and we had a fantastic academy with the right staff, the right players coming through. Made the club a lot of money. You know, in sales in year and a half, two years. Never got a player into the first team for years. Never sold a player. We sold four or five players for over 
half a million pound. Is this like to Godfrey? I'm presuming. Ben Godfrey, yeah. Cole Kiernan, Ryan Emerson went for hundred thousand pounds. Sam Fielding went to Hill, Barnsley. Yeah. Young players were getting support. I had a f- really good relationship with Jason McGill. They'd had a cap manager before and it scored 35%. doesn't even give them cap four in the EPPP. We came in with my team, we got 68%, which meant we were 2% off being cap two. So that's Legion United, Sheffield Wednesday, all these big clubs. If we'd had a full-size indoor arena, we would have passed as a cap two. I sat with Jason in London after the Premier League meeting talking about getting us to cap two. What a fantastic job me and my team had done. And next minute, Jackie walks in the building. I knew within five minutes... This is very wrong. There's something not right with this man. Found an article. He'd done exactly the same thing to the youth team, the academy manager in Scotland, that he was doing to me. And it was just incredible. And again, Jason backed Jackie. Let Jono go. Big mistake. Jono works tirelessly with Ben Godfrey. Never let him slip his standard slip. Richard Creswell walked out of the building. All my academy staff walked. And I eventually decided I couldn't take it anymore and left to go to Grimsby. And, and then you've sort of gone a different route now, haven't you? Well, I was working for Eye to Eye, which is the, the, the International Academy in Hacksbury Road. Fantastic. St. John's University. But I'd done 15 years of coaching. A good friend of mine was that like, we need something to do something different. Came across this way of decontaminating, sterilising within the NHS or, you know, the healthcare industry. And, and I've been working on that for the last eight months. So we've just hopefully secured a contract with the York Trust, which means we've got a five-year deal with them to work on York Hospital, Scarborough Hospital too reduce their risk of infection. And how, how does that compare to sort of football? Totally different. I mean, there's three of us in the business. The other two have very successful businesses themselves. They've said, right, you carry on. If you need our help in anything, we'll be here for you. And in eight months, I've managed to secure this contract. I'm going to secure another contract down south. And I'm off down south tomorrow to go and clean a robot. So <laughs> totally different to chasing Ryan Giggs, but <laughs> different buzz. I don't particularly miss the football. It gives me an opportunity to watch my boys play. I've got the young one. He's a scholar at Leeds now. My other one's just come back from Sweden. He's trying to find another club. Is, is it a never say never then with, with football? Do you think that do you think that is you done? No, because I really enjoyed my time at Elferton. I worked with Chris Moyes for eight eight months. We did really well on a low budget. We thought we had another year, but apparently the budget was cut. And then the new manager came in and the budget was nearly quadrupled. So it's a shame, but... That's football for you. Would I go back? If you ask me now, probably not. If I get this business up and running and it's nice and successful, as I hope it will be, I might do it. But I don't know. I would, I'd know which players or staff I would take with me. You know, there's a lot of good coaches out there. There's a lot of bad ones. There's a lot of good ones in the academy system. I changed the philosophy of the academy. I made players play under pressure. Not in a negative way. I made them get on the ball. We made Ben Godfrey get on the ball. Ben was brought up with two years with me, John O'Cresi, forcing him to play that way. He made mistakes. He conceded goals. Our end goal wasn't to win the Youth Alliance League. Our end goal was to produce a player. And we produced Ben, you know, £275,000 move to Norwich. You know, we made young players enjoy their football and we made them be proud to play for York City Academy. You know, they, they took their shirts in, their socks were up. They, they looked the part. They felt the part. They didn't pay for any kit. They were looked after. I got them the best coaches I could find in the area. Great training facilities at Haxborough Road and the training ground. I wanted to produce players for the first team. When you see an ex-player like, like yourself of any club that goes in as an academy manager and the first team somewhere along the line, manager changes, they're often quite well placed aren't they, as well to even be caretaker. I don't think Jason would have given it to me. I think he always saw me as the youth team academy manager, which was fine because I could have been sat in that role for 10, 15 years, but yeah. I'd have been comfortable at that. 
the pressure the first team manager has is, you know, you could be in a job for six months and then you're out of job and then you can't find any work again. You know, I worked seven days a week. You know, it wasn't, don't get me wrong, it wasn't long hours, but I was the first one in the training ground. I cooked bacon sandwiches for all the staff before they arrived on a Sunday morning. I made them coffees. I put the nets out. I put the goals out and they were like, why are you doing it? It was like, you guys are part-time. I'm full-time. I want you to come here and set your team up and look after the players, not worrying about the nets and the poles and the the equipment. I'll take care of that for you. I'll mop up and sweep and tidy the canteen and the path. And it just built a really, really good team. Best player played with? With John McCarthy. Against? Got to say gigs. Unbelievably quick. Yeah, tough opponent. What about best manager? John Ward. A lot of time, a lot of respect. Yeah, he wasn't a soft touch at all. He wasn't a particularly big character, but when he walked in the room, people went quiet. When he spoke, no one said a word. They listened with intense. Um, I know you didn't get many goals, but was there a favourite? <laughs> well, everyone says when I chipped the goalkeeper from the halfway line, it was a cross. Probably the first one against Burnley, you know, right. the header. I actually don't know why I was that far at the pitch, because we weren't playing five at the back that day. So now, Similarly with the Swindon one as well. We were playing really well. You know, I could, I had the licence to drive forward at that time. But when I scored the first goal, Burnley bought about 5,000. Mm, they took over the whole ground. Yeah. I remember TC crossing, and the next minute I'm thinking, it's a diving header here. <laughs> But when I you know, talk about the goal and I did my testimonial brochure and they asked me to describe it and I can't remember why I was in this six-yard box. Why I was still there. There's only five. Yeah. So probably all five. Do you ever get anyone that when you're in your new job who recognises you from York City and starts singing the Andy, Andy Mack chant or anything? Or? I still get the pubs now and again I'll, I'll, I'll go into town with some friends or we'll go into town as a group of ex-players start chanting it. and they'll, they'll we'll start chanting it yeah I chanted there was only one Jeff Miller when I saw him at View <laughs> Cinema Toilets and I thought what am I doing I'm in my 30s <laughs> yeah I, it, I have no problem stopping and talking to because most people have all of them are really nice they only want to ask about John Ward or you know, John McCarthy or Paul Barnes or Talk about Longy and you know stuff like that. So, and do you keep in touch with a lot of that? Uh, John McCarthy, Wayne Hall, uh, Nigel Pepper, Steve, Steve Tut. Used to do it a bit with Gary Swan, but he, he went down south, so I've not spoke to him for a while. Uh, Ian Blackstone. So yeah, some, some good it players. Sounds, fa- thanks very much for giving it your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. To no, well, to thank you. So that was Andy McMillan there speaking exclusively to York Hospital Radio as part of our York Hospital Ball special podcast. Really hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did, and I really appreciated Andy's honesty and the fact he gave up his time to speak to us. Don't forget this podcast was sponsored by Pocklet & Windows Centre. Family-run business, 25 years they've been going. 10-year guarantees on their windows. Why not give them a call 01759 40 or go to their website, pocklet-and-windows-centre.co.uk. You can join us again next week where we've got another former York City player speaking exclusively to York Hospital Radio. So until next time, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.